This is 400 Plus. I'm Mark Sims. My guest is Pierre Clark. Pierre Clark is a serial entrepreneur and consultant. How are you, Pierre Clark? I'm doing great, Mark. How are you? Always uh, a pleasure to talk with you. Like I said, I love doing a podcast because a lot of people I've had on the show I haven't seen in like 20, 30 years. I've last time I saw you probably 25 years ago at least, right? So it's cool connecting it with may people. Been, it may have been about 20 because I think we saw each other at, a, at an event. Uh, didn't I see you with uh, Keith McDonald, who used to always work with? Uh, Man, uh, a lot of that. Uh, you probably did a lot of that stuff was so long ago. I didn't forgot. I hit my head on the ground a few times. But okay. this, on this podcast, we're going to talk about the late great Philip Jackson, uh, founder of the Black Star Project. For those who did not know Philip Jackson, talk about because uh, I did not know he was connected to the Black Star Project till you sent me that article, a uh, 2019 article in the Indigo. MAGA paper online. So talk about uh, your connection with the Black Star Project and Philip Jackson. Well, of course, I knew Philip, uh, you know, uh, as many of us in Chicago did, uh, uh, really from, from the time before he started the Black Star Project in 1996, because, you know, he worked for the city. He was an executive with Crocs and Ventanos. He was the chief of staff for uh, Jerry Chico and and uh, and Mayor Richard Daly the Younger. He um, headed the Chicago Boys Club. Uh, and the big thing about Phil was that he was the, uh, a warrior. He came from the projects. He grew up uh, in uh, Robert Taylor and a number of other projects. He, in many ways, his family and he mirrored the migratory experiences of Black people throughout the city of Chicago in terms of living in different places and so forth. And he was a guy who had a unique ability to move forward and get things done and rose in corporate America because of that, but never got disconnected from who he was as a black person and who the people were that he felt he represented. And so even when he was sitting in those seats of government and in corporate America and industry, he felt that he represented the black person who wasn't sitting there, who didn't have the opportunities, who didn't have the, you know, the access that he did. And so as he moved in those circles, he, you know, saw a lot of things that he didn't like, a lot of inequities that he didn't like, a lot of things that were going on in government and education that he didn't like. And so finally he uh, decided that he could best execute the things that he wanted to see happen by starting his own organization. So in 1996, he decided to start the Black Star Project, which is named after Marcus Garvey's uh, Black Star Line. So those of you who are familiar with Marcus Garvey will know that Marcus was a staunch uh, advocate for the economic liberation of black people in this country and wanted to lead the Black to, uh, Back to Africa movement uh, with his corporation, the Black Star Line, uh, which was a steamship that was actually going to take all of us back to Africa. And he ran into some some challenges and issues with the government, as many of us do. So Philip started the Black Star Project in that spirit, and then uh, his organizing skills and his ability to see problems and bring people together around issues and solutions quickly uh, had the Black Star Project as one of the few national institutions that we that we've had or or have been created. I, I don't think most people are aware of the fact that we don't have that many national black institutions. 
to maybe the Urban League can be considered that, maybe in the double ACP. But the Black Star Project became a national and international organization uh, doing the Million Father March to bring kids back to school, the Peace in the Hood initiative, the Daddy Daughter Dance, the Mass graduations where we encourage black males and black females uh, to graduate from school and celebrate those graduations. And so he created many of these different kinds of iconic community celebrations and community movements and became um, uh, known nationally and internationally for doing that, you know, became a champion for change uh, with uh, Obama, who recognized him at the White House and, you know, uh, garnered a lot of uh, um, accolades and, and praise and uh, support of a broad cross-section of individuals during uh, the 25 or 23 years that he was in charge of the Black Star Project because, you know, uh, unfortunately he passed of cancer two years ago, but the Black Star Project continues under the leadership of uh, his older sister, Gloria Jackson Smith, and uh, a, a pretty good and pretty dedicated group of people who continue to believe in the spirit and the legacy of, of Philip Jackson, what he stood for with the Black Star Project, and continue to work to keep things uh, moving and going and growing. And so I'm happy to say that I'm involved uh, with with that, with the newsletter and some of the other things that uh, that we're doing. So, um, so those of you who may be listening to this and wonder, you know, what's happening with the Black Star Project? You know, is it still going? What's happening? Uh, I can assure you that it's very much alive. Uh, we have a new website. Uh, we have a lot of things that we bring to the forefront. So please, uh, if you're listening to this, uh, you know, we're here. Get involved. We, we'd love to have I was, uh, Pierre Clark, I was fortunate enough to talk, and I mean extremely fortunate enough to chit-chat with Philip Jackson about three or four times a year. And uh, many years ago, I, <laughs> a few times, I always asked Phil, man, you know, you're in your 60s now, man. Uh, when are you going to pass the baton on? And I say that because institutions, some institutions will not last forever. We know that. And it's hard to keep an institution going long after the founder and leader has left us. And we have a lot of institutions now. We don't know. Of course, Black Chicago is in, in decline. And my focus as I get older and you, PR Clark, you said you're a little bit older than me, is that. I don't care if it's only 100,000 black folks left in Chicago. There's only 100,000 black folks in Chicago about 1919, as the report you know, on the Internet says. If it's only 100,000 of us, is that community, is that black community vibrant? And are those black folks the vanguard of the history to remind people that we were here? And so are, are we thinking about that as organizations, secession plans, family secession plans? Are we thinking about legacy? Well, I hope we are. You know, again, uh, certainly your, your your question and your concern is very relevant. We lost uh, a lot of leaders in the last two, three years. We've lost Kwame John Porter. We've lost Leon Finney. Uh, we've, we've, we've lost a number of of uh, uh, community leaders. Uh, Greg Hinton from the corporate side. Uh, of course, uh, Bob Lucas with Kenwood Oakland Community Organization. And the ones that we have uh, remaining, such as Sakoni Karanja, Maddie Butler, and, and some of those people are in their 80s or close to being in their 80s. And so is, and, and Jesse Jackson is almost 80 uh, with PUSH and the Rainbow PUSH Coalition. So it's a very relevant question 
uh, to ask. And uh, quite frankly, I'm not sure exactly what, you know, some of these groups are doing in terms of succession plan. As I mentioned, uh, Gloria, who is Philip's older sister, uh, uh, has uh, taken the reins and, and is, is uh, doing very well operating the Black Star Project and building on those those legacies that uh, feel set up in those programs. But, uh, you know, the, 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 to put a point of exclamation on your concern, you know, when Leon Finney died, everything that he had left and died with him, uh, TWO, WCDC, uh, you know, the real estate, uh, the church over on 41st Street, you know, all of that uh, is gone and, 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 and left with him. Now, I know that at PUSH, I know that a couple of uh, Jesse Jackson's sons are still uh, uh, very much involved with the Rainbow Push Coalition and Operation Push. But again, it's a legitimate question that we need to uh, to ask, especially as we move into a very critical period in terms of economics, in terms of culture, in terms of uh, where we stand and where we are as a people within the latter, the, the you know, the first part of this 20th, 21st century. Uh, 2020 to 2030, to me, being the times that are going to be very critical to where we end up uh, as we move to a 2040, when the population of the U.S. is supposed to shift to a majority of people of color. That's the, the you know, 2040 is supposed to be the year that that happens. So I think that it's very critical that we uh, look at how we build on the uh activities and, you know, the initiatives that have gone on before and how we keep those going. I'm, I'm very concerned with that. Uh, there's some young leadership coming up uh, that I think will play an influential role, but I don't know if we have enough. I don't know if it's intentional enough. You know, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this Black Bench Chicago movement, which is supposed to be... Uh, what did you just say? How did you say that again? <laughs> Black Bench Chicago. Bench, B-L-A-C- bench. Bench, being bench, not bench. No, 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 not that. I know it sounds different. Mean, no. Like something you sit on in the park, park bench, right? Right, park bench, that's right. Yeah, black. but it's called Black Bench okay. Chicago. And have you heard of it? It's, no, uh, no. it's a group of younger yeah. African-American leaders who are being trained as the next generation. It started uh, by Jackie Grimshaw, and Alex Sims, and then Jesse White. And Jesse White is... is Alex Sims, no uh, relation. I don't really... I know of her, but she's not... I don't think she, she could be a cousin. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah I've, I've, heard, I've heard of it, but let me cut you off by saying this. Uh, the hardest part is, like we, I said uh, earlier as part of this podcast, maybe the other podcasts, because, you know, these things blend, is that we're funny about each other. It's like, that's why I love Philip Jackson. He didn't really ask me that, who I was, who, who was I with. He just said, Mark, come work with me. He was, a, he was exactly. phenomenal. I'm saying, and he was one of a kind. He was one of a, he was a rare breed. But most, yes. most black folks are not like Philip Jackson. We are funny. Who you with? How many degrees you got? You a fraternity brother? You, you with the church? You believe in God, Mark? You know what I'm saying? You Jehovah Witness? You know, we have this tribalism that keeps us. And all we see is that it's like, what's in it for me? What, what can you do for me right now, Negro? And if you can't do nothing for me, I ain't got time for you or your damn podcast, whatever you got going on. 
How are we going to get over that foolishness, Pierre Clark? Well, I don't, I, you know, again, I think that it's, it's very important for us to intentionally get over that foolishness. You know, uh, when the uh, when the, the Black Lives Matter uh, marched downtown and they shut down North Michigan Avenue and the Magnificent Mile, they had a generational clash with uh, with uh, some of the older heads like Reverend Jackson and, and at the time uh, uh, Clay Evans, who was alive, and some others uh, that were, uh, they said, uh, as my old friend Steve Devine used to say, crowding the hero's bench in terms of, and that's B-E-N-C-H, in terms of, uh, you know, trying to uh, get and steal the spotlight. I don't think that that's really... Uh, uh, I told told them at the time. I don't think that's really an issue that was relevant. I think that Jamal Green and William Callaway and uh, Jamal Cole and, and many of these uh, brothers and sisters on the scene, Amari Enya, Anton Seals. I can go on and on. You know, there's a, a group of 30s and 40-something uh, brothers and sisters that are coming up in ascendancy and leadership, and. And I think that we have to bring together those that are coming up along with those who can provide uh, the, the, you know, the experiences and provide the connectivity, you know, to what's uh, what's going on and what we still have to do. And so I think if you spend a lot of time doing uh, these these comparisons and if you say who's who, what fraternity you with and all that, you know, look, they crack the heads of a divine nine. Just as quickly as they'll crack the heads of, um, you know, these twenty and thirty somethings, and 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 the individuals who have like been like Laquan McDonald at sixteen, and uh, uh, you know this this young man who just got shot at thirteen, and some of these you know these others, the problems cross over all of those divisions. Okay, you know the issues that we have in our community are not dictated by those artificial divisions and constraints. This is their their community wide and they affect all of us. And so we need to recognize that and we need to look for ways we can work together and blend together. And I'm encouraged that we do have young people who can take up the mantle of Philip Jackson because as you say, he was a one of a kind guy in terms of his ability to cut across all that foolishness and bring people together. He could bring you he could bring you in the room if you were 15. He could bring you in the room if you were 65. You know, he didn't care. I say, let me, let me, let me close out my comments. I can't thank you enough for being on the show, Pierre Clark. I'm going to let you close out the show. But Philip Jackson got it. He understood about education. I don't care if you're going to be a carpenter, electrician, write computer code, or you're going to be a uh, Internet influencer with your own influencing platform on, on the computer. I don't care how, but you have to be have some kind of education and skill. And he got that. All these other organizations, everybody I hear woo, 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 and on TV, I'm not against none of that. But if you're not talking about how the black boys are doing in school, and the girls, but mainly the boys, because the boys ain't going to college and all that kind of stuff like the girls. So how are how the children are doing in school, city and suburbs? And I, everybody's not going to get straight A's. I get it. But how are they being educated and trained so they can compete with the algorithms, uh, the uh, the robots and all the other millions of people on the planet Earth so we can have an economic base? If you're not talking about that, you ain't really saying that to me. What do you think, Pierre Clark? Well, I think that that's, you know, true. I think that the Black Star Project, in terms of uh, Philip's legacy, and as we, we, we know, his mantra was educate or die. 
so he was very serious about the need and necessity for education. He was very serious about the need and necessity for skills building. And the organization continues that legacy with programs that it has, like Saturday University, like Building Chicago's Next CEO, which, you know, provides uh, uh, training and provides mentorship and provides uh, interaction with business and with education and, you know, technology and all of those skill areas. And, and so these are very important programs that the organization continues to move forward with. But at the same time, it also honors the legacy that Phil left, which is, which is that you have to know before you can do. And that's what he always talked about. And so uh, when, you, when you mentioned how uh, he uh, emphasized the importance of that, that was something that he used as a tool to draw young people in because young people want to be educated. They want to know. And he knew that. And so he made it possible for them to be celebrated for that and not vilified for that. So, uh, so I think that, as you say, he, he had a unique uh, ability and unique spirit. And the fact that, you know, two years after he's, uh, after he died, we're still here talking about celebrating and focusing on the 25th anniversary of of the organization that he created and founded. I think it's a tribute to him and a tribute to the, the, the strength of the spirit of the mission and the ideas that he pushed as a founder and, and leader and that we follow as a part of the Black Star Project organization and movement. So uh, I'm, I'm appreciative of the opportunity that you, you've given us to talk about him and Black Star Project 